interesting Super Bowl week uh, for the world, for the pivot. Um, we'll get to it, but we were robbed. <laughs> We've learned that people feel like we cake, so we gotta do something to fix that. Hold up, limitless, take a stomach cap, pinning it. I thought they here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. Uh, on a mission, get me up. Uh, knowing me, I got the key. Uh, on the vision, I can trust. Uh, trust. Uh, limitless. Take a stomach cap, pinning it. I thought they here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. Uh, on a mission, get me up. Uh, knowing me, I got the key. Welcome to the pivot. I'm RC. That's Freddie T. This is Chan. Let's talk about some of the good parts of the week. Um, the live show, I thought was really cool. Very you know, good. You know, David Montgomery, Alexis Ohanian, uh, who's married to Serena Williams. We had Ryan Mundy stop yeah. by, Rashad White, mm -hmm. Blake Cashman. I mean, we had a ton of people just sit down with us, and so it gave us an opportunity to have different Aria. conversations. The Aria watched out for us. Aria looked out, for sure. Uh, Megan O'Leavy. Mm -hmm. We also had Lou Young, Bob Minery. And so I thought that that was sort of our first time doing that. And to have it be a success in the way it was, you know, uh, was really grateful for that. Uh, we shot some good shows. You know, Antonio Pierce, which we put out on Tuesday, mm -hmm. was, I felt, one of the best shows we've done from a football standpoint, from a life standpoint. Obviously, getting to sort of hear his thoughts on everything, but we were there for a game. And once again, the Kansas City Chiefs are the Super Bowl champion, back-to-back -back champions in the thriller. Um, just looking back at what Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, that defense were able to do, what's your thought on the way they finished the year? I hate that people keep saying the first half was boring. It was two top defenses playing top defense against great offenses now, but those defenses are good. And my thing was like, that everybody keeps telling me, oh, the first half, no, the first half was not boring. It was ball players and defensive coordinators, and I know we're gonna talk about Steve Wilkes, which ran me hot. Spags and Wilkes going at it, figuring it out, and doing what they do, and that's why they were in that position. I mean, the other piece of it is, too, it was two red zone fumbles. Yep. San Francisco drives the ball on the first drive, and Christian McCaffrey fumbles in the red doesn't, zone. Who doesn't fumble? Right, and then Isaiah Pacheco, the same thing when D'Amador Lenore forces a fumble. Like, that's just football. It's not boring. Like, I, I know everybody wants scoring, but it also gets to the end and you have the game you And want. that's the thing. It was in the Ravens game when Zay Flowers fumbled on the goal line and everybody was like, oh, man, he messed up. And you text on the thread, you were like, that's football because you punched the ball out on the goal line. That's what you try to do. But I, I hated that the fact that people said the first half was boring. But I loved that game. We had the two best football teams in the entire world playing, and we saw it. For it to go to overtime, we saw what we was what, what was happening, and that's what I loved about it. We know best. Football is a game of chess. You know it's cliche, but that's what it is. It's a battle of field position, back and forth, back and forth. You alluded to the turnovers that made it a little slow in the scoring category. We had two very well-prepared teams that took two weeks of preparation to get there. They were coached well, they were prepared well. Yeah, turnovers, we don't account for those turnovers, but they are part of the game. Like in preparation, we don't you know, uh, uh, practice fumbling and turning the ball over. 
we practice making those adjustments when they happen. So when those, those two teams came back together and, and they, they, they kind of had this boxing match the entire first half, you go, this is, a, this is a solid game. You know, and for me, it wasn't boring. It just goes to show you how many people don't understand the, the, the NFL game. It's, yeah. it's always been a heavyweight match. Everybody thinks we got to just score. No, the beauty of the game is in the trenches. It's what these guys do when you look at, man, this guy, he's on his shit. He's on his shit. Like, these guys are really competing. That's a beautiful game, and that's what we got. It's the only, what's the second Super Bowl in the history of the Super Bowl to go to overtime? What does that spell? It's a great game for it me. It spells a loss for Kyle Shanahan because <laughs> he been in because he been in both of them and he's lost. That's ugly. Both of them. <laughs> but the rarity of it, right? It's 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 one of those fist fights, man. Nobody was backing off, and um, you know, in the business, man, sometimes you have guys that are served up on the platter as scapegoats. I don't know scapegoats because the the twenty eight three Kyle Shanahan, if you ran the ball. They the one. He started I'm not throwing. saying Kyle was a scapegoat. No, no, no. I'm talking I'm about no, Wilkes. Bro, Freddie, I'm not saying scapegoat. I'm saying football. When he was offensive coordinator of the Falcons, he should have ran the ball, ran the clock out. With Kyle Shanahan, and I'll go to the third quarter when they got the interception. The 49ers got the interception. Kyle should have ran the ball with Christian McCaffrey, which y'all know I've praised. Christian McCaffrey is the centerpiece. I love Debo. I love Ayuk. I love... All those guys, Kill. like, they have weapons. But I don't know if Kyle Shanahan, like, they got stuck after that turnover and they threw the ball eight times in a row. That's not what you do. Kyle got back to what he does late in the game. He got back to running Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is the centerpiece of that offense. Yeah, I think for this show's purposes, I mean, ain't no use in analyzing it because it comes down to one thing. One team got Patrick Mahomes. That's true, but it's also... They could have won. 49ers could have won. And I understand that. There's so many things that happen in a football game to provide a moment. Michael Jordan, who some consider, I consider the greatest of all time, the game-winning shots or the historic pitcher now, the classic pitcher we see with his hand up in Utah with Byron Russell on the ground, there was so much that happened before that but in that moment, you got to have that guy. And Brock Purdy, for all of what it is, is rushed by Chris Jones late in the game. Jawan Jennings is open. He throws it out of the end zone. You knew, you knew, I knew that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to score a touchdown. Mm -hmm. That the Kansas City Chiefs were inevitable, like Thanos, because of the dude playing quarterback. No. Shanahan knew. We're not going to analyze who should have did what, what should have happened, this and this. Like, to me, this is about greatness. And there is a lot that has to lead up to that greatness, but you got to show up. And it's not that he just showed up this time. He showed up down double digits the first time. Mm -hmm. He showed up down to Philadelphia last year. Mm -hmm. And eventually, this is a habit. Eventually... This is a pattern, and it's a pattern for him. A lot of times, we talk about the patterns of negativity. And he said that, you know, he can't consider himself the GOAT or even in that conversation because Tom Brady beat him not once but twice. Tom Brady beat him in the AFC Championship the year he won the MVP. Tom Brady beat him in the 2021 Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But we do have to start to, and I think people already do, 
you do have to appreciate what we are getting to see. It is Jordan level. It is LeBron level. It is Derek Jeter level, who wasn't as talented as Patrick Mahomes, but he was clutch like Patrick Mahomes. You know, this is the Ovechkins and the Gretzkys and all of these greats that we've had in different sports that just stand out. You know, to me, you even take it to people like Denzel Washington, Daniel Day-Lewis, Leonardo DiCaprio, in a world of extremely talented people and successful humans, he's on a different level than they are. And I think, to me, that's what stood out mostly is that, yeah, man, like, Every time, and I'm gonna say for me, every fumble from San Francisco, every missed third down, every tip pass, I kept saying, you can't do that with Pat on the other side. Oh. You know, and so just to see what he's been able to accomplish, you know, it's Brady's early year success with Brady's prime and middle of his career individual accomplishments. And I just think that we haven't seen anything like it. And when you're the San Francisco 49ers, that's what you're playing against. Me being from Miami is scary for everybody, what I saw, because I'm sitting there with y'all. I don't know how y'all felt. I was sitting there in regular time. I knew Pat was going to get it to overtime, at least. I knew Pat was going to, I thought Pat was going to My, my question to you. I thought Pat was going to read it in, in reg okay, regular. So my question to you was, when the extra point was blocked, did you have any doubt in your mind what was going to happen? Like, like, that's what I'm talking about because of that dude. Though. That's the time when you're like, that's where you're like, oh, it's going it to, it, it's nothing that's going to happen right now that he's not going to go ahead and get three. He's going to get three? You're going to give Patrick Mahomes a chance to get three? He's going to go get this three. What was it, 150 or something like that? Easy. Bro, that's cake with, 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 the, with the weapons he has. You know what I'm saying? And that was the thing that, that was, as you talked about it, R.C., when you look at it and you know what's going on and you watch the game and you watch the situational football, and we all know situational football, I think Pat has put himself in that, in that stratosphere of, oh, you're going to get to do two minutes? Watch. But not only that, the punt return. You know, you can't make mistakes against the Kansas City Chiefs team. That's how they won the entire playoffs. Going back to Buffalo, from penalties, the, the, the Ravens game, the five 15-yard penalties, the fumble right there by Zay, you mentioned it. Late in the game, the, the, the muff or the when the guy kicked the, the he punt didn't return. He kick it. It's just, it's it hit his foot. He didn't mean it to do his, that. He was just playing that's the, that's the thing. But that's when you talk about Pat and his greatness, he just sits back like a lion waiting on it and praying, right? When you come in his, in his zone, he attacks. And he just takes advantage of those opportunities every single time. Time. Every single time. Yeah, and I think as we have the, the highs and lows of life is you come off of that great weekend for the NFL, for football, obviously for the Kansas City Chiefs, and then there's a shooting at the celebration parade on Wednesday. It's one of those reminders that evil doesn't sleep. No matter how much positivity is around, there's going to be something negative that humans are inherently imperfect, but also, without a doubt, extremely selfish. Mm -hmm. Some don't think about those around them. Now, there hasn't been any report on why it happens, but I could just simply imagine 
being in the place, the elation that there is at a Super Bowl parade. I've been there. The, the way that people stack up just to get a glimpse of their favorite player, to hope to pass a beer to Travis Kelsey, to hug Isaiah Pacheco, to shake Patrick Mahomes' hand, and then you hear gunshots ring out. There are children there. There, there are women there. there. There are elderly people there. And it also gets to the point, it's like, how many times? I think it's 48 shootings in like 46 days. And we're in an, an era and a generation, one, where nobody wants to wear an ass whipping. Mm. And to where we undervalue the ability to make it home. No matter what I've been through, no matter where I've been, no matter what incident I've had, the thing I value is having the ability to make it home. And no matter what I feel about you, I want you to make it home too. And to know that children were harmed and to know that uh, the young lady has passed from gunshot wounds, I think it almost makes you feel like, damn, we can't ever be too happy because you're always waiting for the next shoe to drop. I hate that. I, ha I hate that. that you, you just said it. The city of Kansas City was here. And then all of a sudden, like, we're not talking about Patrick Mahomes anymore. We're not talking about Andy Reid's greatness, Hall of Fame. We're not talking about Travis Kelsey. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about damn um, Taylor Swift no more. The shooting has overshadowed that greatness of what it is. And like you just said, RC, eating the ass whooping, like some, I always say it, like I'm not undefeated in fights. Because sometimes when you fight, like, yeah, I done got knocked out. I, I know three times that I done been laying on the ground and I had to tell the man, man, you got me. You know what I'm saying? You got me. But no matter what created that, and we, we don't, you just said, we don't know, we don't know the genesis, we don't know the, 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 the reasoning behind that shooting, but I hate that it, it put a black cloud over this. And days after that championship, we're talking about a shooting, but that's the problem. It's a bigger price, a bigger issue. It's a bigger thing to that. But that's the thing that killed me about it. It's like five years, 10 years, 15 years from now, when we talk about this second championship that might be able to be a third in a row, might be able to be a three-peat, we're going to always remember that some dumb, some dumb mother... I don't know who he is. I don't know why it happened. But some dumb, some dumb dude out there made this what it is. The other piece of it is, too, the next parade. Whether it's Kansas City, whether it's San Francisco, whether it's Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, Miami. You know, like, I'm from Louisiana, so I've been to a ton of parades. And I don't like to go because I feel like it's a, it's a free party with no metal detectors. And you don't know who has what and why they are there. But think about Kansas City. Like, if you watched NFL Network, ESPN, whatever it was yesterday, uh, Wednesday evening, it was all about the shooting. It was all about who was in the hospital. It was all about the young lady that passed. It was all about the children receiving treatment on a day where it's only supposed to be about the excitement of winning a championship and what it does for a city, a fan base, an organization. And now it's all pivoted to a life lost and other people injured over stupidity. And, you know, it's going to get into conversations of poli politics and 
and, and gun laws or whatever it is when, honestly, man, it's a heart issue with humans. Yeah, I think regardless of motive or circumstance, you know, the threat is going to always be there. You know, it just magnifies how, how vulnerable we are as human beings, right? Um, if it can happen in a church, it happened a few days prior to in a church in Texas, Joel Osteen's church. Uh, it happens in, at schools. Of course it'll happen at parades. You know, you're talking about an open space, no protection for the most part. People out there just to have fun, have a good time and celebrate in those moments and then boom, these things happen. Uh, very selfish, you know, but I, I can guarantee you there was more than one gun in the vicinity during that time. Uh, thankfully, it wasn't more deaths. You know, thankfully, it wasn't more people injured. Uh, it's just that um, in this country, man, that's, that's sort of, that's, that's just sort of what we're dealt. It's unfortunate. How do you stop it? I don't know. If I did know, it would be stopped. Um, but it's, it, we have to try to create better safety measures during those moments just to try and minimize the threat. Right, uh, because I don't think you can stop it, but I believe we can do certain things, take certain precautions to try and minimize it at the very least. Now, I've heard it over the last couple of days, you're talking about the NFL, NBA, people, these billion-dollar companies, they do something. And I heard, I've heard people criticize, like, the end racism on the back of the helmets, the end racism on the back of the end zones, and, like, people doing it. And WNBA did a lot, NBA did a lot, and all that. Fellas, like, I know, like, if there's a racist dude in, in, in Tennessee or there's a guy in Atlanta, I, Miami. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Does, does he really see that there's a end racism on the back of the end zone or equality thing on the back of the end zone and he's not going to be racist anymore? No. But at least those people are doing something. That's what I was saying. Like, they have to get involved. What do they want us, what do they want to do? You just said it, Fred. The politicians and all that have to get involved. And I hate that we're going to separate this to two sides, the, the, the Second Amendment and all that stuff. But there has, what's the answer? And it's way bigger than me. I don't, it's way bigger than us. I'll speak for y'all. It's way bigger than us. But there has to be an answer to why these people keep getting killed at these situations. And that's the crazy thing. So I've heard people criticize the major sporting leagues for not doing more. What the f do they want them to do? People want anyone who is involved or who is thought of to make a lot of money to also be decision makers and world changers. And that's not necessarily what these mega organizations need to be. But we've seen from the NBA when they get pushback from their players, which I think when you think about the way that Adam Silver and the NBA executives react to what their players want, they are probably the most proactive league when it comes to whether it's racism, gun violence, uh, equality, any of those things. I think the NBA is extremely active. After 
2020 and, you know, the players getting together by, you know, led by Michael Thomas to make the video, the NFL became more active, whether it's to end racism or whatever, you know, those things have, have been. From that standpoint, we progressed a long way since 2016 in Colin Kaepernick kneeling. But that doesn't change the man in Tennessee that's been racist his whole life because he was raised by racist parents. Because he grew up in a neighborhood where racism was allowed, where he was never around the right black person to punch him in the mouth. And so I think those things we can't stop. But the, the thing about what happened on Wednesday was that we don't know why it happened, right? There's different sorts of evil. There's not just the evil of racism. There's the level of evil that doesn't value Fred's life. Mm-hmm because we disagree or because there's some sort of beef. There's the, there's the sort of evil that doesn't value Channing because Channing's not my family member, because Channing's not my blood. And murder is as old as time. Biblically, murder has been here forever. And now the reasons just change, the ability to stop it changes, but the fact that people can stoop to that level of violence, of evil, has never been different. And I I, I don't believe that any group or organization can stop what humans are made to be, because humans are made to be imperfect. Mm -hmm. And all of our imperfections have levels, right? Like, Like there are things that are imperfect about me, there are bad decisions that I make, but that decision has never been to take a life because I value life. I value my life. I value your lives. I value others' lives, right? And I don't want to ever be in a position to where I'm putting somebody in a spot where they have to decide if they value my life. You know what I mean? Because we can put pressure on people in certain ways where they have to make a decision that it's me or him. Mm -hmm. And if it gets to a spot where it's them or you, even me, if I got in a spot to where it's me or you, like, I got to take care of me. But, you know, Fred mentioned the Joel Osteen church shooting. You know, we've had so many different mass shootings, whether it be in schools, go back to South Carolina years yeah. ago. And so I think that right now we're in a place where it's like, what is safe? Mm-hmm. Right? I'm asking more so, tell me what's safe to tell me what's not. Right, because it was always, don't go in that neighborhood. There's no such thing as this is safe versus this isn't safe. Events happen. You know, movie theaters. You know, yeah. all you can go anywhere and, and something just can break out. Sometimes when I don't have my situation on me at the grocery store maybe or different, different moments, I just kind of rush out the house. Um, I, I'm in the store, I'm looking around like, damn, this could be one of those moments. An asshole can be here with a gun. You know, and I don't have anything to defend or protect myself or anyone else that's in here. Um, Gas station, just chilling at the pump. People can pull up on you or any random event can can happen. So in terms of safety, it's so randomized. I think you just pray up when you wake up and, and, and step out on faith, and that's as cliche as it can come, and then pray that you return home you know, later in the afternoon. Other than that, there's no such thing as like really being safe. Can, can we solve it though? Red, red 
Red, blue, left, right, no, all no. that stuff. No. That's what I'm saying. That's what we got to get together. Once, once we got to get together. Capitalism entered the conversation, and and, and 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 in politics, you're talking about the politicians and rationalization, bro. They value maintaining and keeping their jobs more than they do problem solving. They don't display risk-taking behavior. Like these people are selfish. And when the lobbyists enter the conversation as well, everybody's. That shit does not exist. You might have one in a barrel that will fight for the people. Other than that, bro, these people worry about maintaining their job and their status. Giving a fuck about you, your kids, etc. You got to do that. You got to set yourself up. Uh, I don't believe in, like, politics is what it is, politics. Yeah, and also, too, you know, we're, we're now in a stage where, like, poli politics, politicians can be cool and politicians can be famous and politicians can be stars, right? Being a politician is almost like having a podcast. It's like having a TV show. You get to get these certain things that elevate you, but none of that is gonna stop people from doing bad things. You know, like sometimes people rob. Yeah. You know, like people take stuff. You know, like you <laughs> could just be having a great day at the hotel, right, in a meeting, Minding your business. Minding your own business. You could have been up at 3 a.m. shooting shows. You could wake back up at 7, shoot another show, be so happy about it, because you, you got your cameras, you got your computers, you got your, your, your cards that go in the cameras, you downloaded everything, and you could realize that your security is cake. Thieves out there. There is. Steelers, and I ain't talking about Pittsburgh. <laughs> bro. There's some thieves bro, out there. When, we, when I walked out of the meeting with Nike, right? So, Alicia Zubikowski, we talk about her all the time, our producer. Um, she is a very emotional human. Um, yeah, yeah. Some, some might call her dramatic. Not me, uh, but some. Some may say that things affect her in... Uh, a very distinct way. Passionate. 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 Right? So here I am. I walk out of the meeting just for a second. I wanted to go over and get me a ginger beer, right? She looks at me and I can see it on her face, right? She goes white. And she goes, You will not believe what happened. And I was like, What happened? She goes, It's the worst thing ever. So one, like I'm from New, I'm from New Orleans, somebody got shot. That's my first thing. Somebody done died. Damn. Jesus. They didn't. They didn't. Took KK. Right? <laughs> That's my, that my first thought. You know, shoot. KK 5'3, 73 pounds. 73. Right? I was like, damn. They didn't. Got away with KK. So this is with, they stole all our stuff. And I was like, huh? Whoa, who hurt? Right? Because ain't no way they stole they our steal stuff. steal it all. And ain't nobody injured. Like, somebody had to get. Right, so then... Who got hit in the head? Right, so then we send the goons after him. We send Mike. He 5'6". Olivia. <laughs> we send, oh, she 96-pound woman. And they go on a wild goose chase trying to find our stuff because we got air tags in it. And then when <laughs> all else failed, we were down to our wits end. We, we call in the closer. We said, KK. <laughs> Hey, hey, Matt said, bro, Matt said KK hopped out of the car <laughs> following the air tag and said, KK from Nigeria, KK said, 
Matt, grab stones. <laughs> it's on site. What the hell you gonna do with a stone? Can't you? That. Hey. Hey, you know how you see it be the foreign countries and they be throwing the stones at the tape? Yeah. Was KK gonna throw rocks at the tape? KK about to throw rocks at him. Chad, we pie, bro. We got Yeah, fear. yeah. Our, our pivot security was pie. We done tightened up now, so they gonna have to get right now, cause you know, what you don't know what you don't know. We didn't know they was coming after us. But yeah, but 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 they hit us, they got us, and it was wild out in Vegas, they got us. And uh, with everything that went on, you learn lessons from what happens. You always are reactionary. So that's one thing, you gotta be reactionary. So now we're reactionary. I'm the biggest thing on the show. I should've went after him, not KK. I should have went after them. I'm the tallest thing that we always have, but now we done, we done bounced back and we got we to gotta figure that thing out. Nah, we was just talking about being safe, never safe. They always say, don't sleep in Vegas. We were sleeping. We were sleeping. Dude is casing the joint, right? So he's casing the joint. It's, you know, we had five great detectives that ended up working overtime, finishing late at that night, waking up in the morning, communicating with Alicia, communicating with the hotel, and they eventually found it, but it was a crime of opportunity. It's a guy that understands what's going on that week. He sees this live show, right? So he follows Mike, and he say, okay. So he tries to come in, like, hey, is this the media room? And Mike's like, nah, it's not the media room. But his antennas don't, don't really go up, like, okay, something can happen. So then dude slips into the door, gets on the elevator, goes up the elevator, and he's waiting for Mike to go out. So now Mike goes out, he's helping Olivia because even though she's ended up being our security, she's not a big lady, right? And so Mike goes out to help Olivia and so now this dude slips out. And it's like, you're following the air tags, they're in all of these different places, the, the detectives are popping up at places, obviously KK popping up, trying to find it. And so it's one of those things where Dude understood it was Super Bowl week. Yep. He knew people would be doing certain things and there would be opportunities to come up. But the only thing that really helped us was, too, none of the pawn shops could really take anything at that time because they understand people are going to be thieving. Yeah. And, you know, that that, like those sorts of things could happen. We're trying to make light of the situation, man, but we were really kind of bad off. Um, when you came into me with Nike, I was like, damn, what is, what's going on? So trying to make light of it, uh, but also understanding that it was a serious matter. You know, so many things had to take place in order for us to get to the point where we eventually got to to get our stuff back. But, you know, fast forward, uh, the day after the Nike meeting, after they took it, we got out there to do the stuff for Nike, being all around the kids. We were so consumed in that, in our work, that we didn't even have a whole lot of time to think about what was really going on. You know, I just want to say a special thanks to everybody involved that helped us get to the point where we can get, you know, the, the cameras back, our footage back. And thankfully, at the very end of it all, no one was hurt, man. But lesson learned, mm -hmm. you know, we'll continue to make sure we do everything that we can to circumvent things like that for happening in the future, man. But again, special shout out to everybody that was involved. LVPD, I think that's what it is, and all the detectives that were on it, like, it was, uh, we laughing about it, but it was a big deal, 
and they really put work in 24 hours a day. What was it, for two, three days, they was working on this thing, air tags, chasing people around and all that. And like, we really, we really had a great crew of people that were trying to figure it out and they ended up figuring it out. So that's what it is, is that, is that is, are those um, law enforcement officers? Man, without them, we could not have our film back right now for the great shows we're gonna put out. You leave your house thinking, you know, good things are gonna happen. Like, we were working hard, working our ass. You, RC, you're going from ESPN back to the Aria, ESPN back. Like, everybody was in motion handling business and working hard, and that's the crew. And sometimes you can let your guard down. You know, not expecting those things to happen. You leave your house, you don't expect those things to happen. Like the people that went to the parade just to celebrate, you know, life. And uh, it's just unfortunate, man, that you have a lot of evil in the world, man. But at the end of the day, we got our stuff back. We got some beautiful, amazing shows, you know, to give y'all. So stick around for that, man. And we're going to always pivot. We're going to figure it out. Yeah, I think, like, just to be honest, man, like, and having fun with it and having fun with the fact that, you know, it's Mike and Olivia and it's KK, it doesn't take away that I respect what went into getting our stuff back, right? Like, was I hurt that stuff was stolen and also that, you know, we had shows that we wanted to put out that were filmed and footage and all of those things? Absolutely. But I'm also alive. Yes. All of our people were alive and unharmed. For me, it's so much bigger than just getting stuff back. I am extremely grateful for all of those detectives that worked overtime. You know, I spoke about it earlier. Mm -hmm. They finished up 5.30 that morning. There were other extremely heinous acts that were taking place in Las Vegas, which you expect or something like that, that they were dealing with, and they took the time to help us. We subpoenaed footage from the Aria. They examined that footage. They got a clear picture of the guy. They obviously continued to follow the air tags. So I do want to give them a shout out. It was Sergeant Garcia, Detective Hendricks, Detective Kolonowski, Detective Roberts, uh, but most of all, Jasmine Avalos, who really spearheaded and ran the entire um, investigation. And something that she said really stuck out with me was that everything I do or every case I take, I treat it as if somebody did something to me. And I think for us being in this world where the relations between law enforcement and our community especially isn't always great, or the communication between those two entities isn't always great. To hear somebody in that position say, I treat everything like it happened to me. I don't just think about our footage. Mm -hmm. I think on a lower level, she was trying to say, this is gonna be taken serious by me. I'm not gonna just poo poo it because it's cameras and computers and footage. Right, I'm gonna look at it, but I think on a higher level, I think about the other things they were dealing with as well around our case, right? rapes and people trying to get on planes and leave, making sure they don't let those things happen, attempted murders. And there's, like, this woman was busy handling our case and also handling all of these other things that were going around, also the detectives that were with her. So I believe that they should be shouted out, they should be highlighted, because even though there's parts of it that I do think are funny, because we know the people 
involved, uh, it was obviously an extremely serious uh, situation. Come on, grab something now. I, I don't never look in the camera. Come on, grab something now. You know what, though? You know what it does, though? It makes you recognize that, like, you can't be, you can't just trust. Mm -hmm. You can't decide to not be proactive. Because you think you just move around, and we've moved around in, like, our spaces of shooting so easily that now, in something like that, in shooting at the Aria, in being very visible that we're promoting it, every iPad you touched in the room, our faces are popping up. There's this big billboard of us in the lobby. It's like, no, now you're a target. Yep. Now people know you're here. It's not like shooting in this building where we're shooting and we're never coming back. Yeah. Like, people know that you're around in that case, and so you do have to be extremely vigilant. I hate to use that word, vigilant um, and protecting your stuff. Like, the other, the other event uh, that happened this weekend is my contracts up with ESPN. Uh-oh. And inside the NFL is done until next year. So right now, guys, this is my only job. Really? Yeah, I'm a free agent. And I saw your tweet, and obviously I put my two cents in it on a retweet, and I spoke from the heart. I appreciate it. You know, yep. I understand, you know, how you work at this craft, how you're up, you're taking your notes. We can be off, you know, and you're over there doing what you do, man, and it was easy for me to send that tweet out, bro. You deserve, obviously, what you believe you deserve. Yeah. But your value is what, obviously, is what you take, man. I, I think, or I hope they do right by you. Yeah. But I don't know if it's a, is it a good or bad thing. I guess it's where I started because you work so much. You need some downtime. Yeah, I, I do like the downtime a little bit, like being able to chill. You guys have been through contract negotiations, though. It's a... Contract negotiations are weird, right? Contract negotiations with your own team are normally the hardest mm -hmm. because they see you a certain way. Like, they see you how you got in, right? They always saw me as sort of an undrafted free agent. So every contract, I'm just like, hey, look at the film, right? And so, like, now I'm also like, hey, look at the film. And then it's that other thing, and, you know, Fred said it before, we've heard it on the show, Comparison is the thief of joy. And it may be, but also, comparison is how we set our value. Mm -hmm. It is that, hey, nobody else here has what's on my trophy case. They don't. Like, that's a fact, right? Nobody here, no matter what show he's on, is the thing that ESPN Social is making sure they push out, no matter who I'm on the show with. And I respect everybody mm -hmm. I work with. And so, like, for me, it has been a reminder, you know, just in getting down to the week and making that post. And I wanted to, you know, thank some of the executives who have allowed me to be there, whether I'm going to be there going forward or not. You know, like, I understand they have to make those decisions. Uh, and one of them was basically just like, either way, you'll be good. You know, it wasn't a, man, we hope you're here. You know, we're not necessarily we appreciate all you've done. Just like, you'll be good, which I will, right? But it let me know that it's different for different people. Like, I'm not going to be able to sit on my show and call out an executive by name and say that this executive is effing over me and then be in a picture with another executive the next week because he's showing solidarity with me. I know I don't get that. I know I don't get to behave in any way other than a way that represents us the way that we're supposed to be represented and the way that we want to be seen, the way that we want to be represented, represent the network, 
in a way that they want to be seen, in a way that they want to be perceived and represent myself in the way that I want to. I know I can't step out of that because if I step out of that, I will not have people pushing for me. I will not have people standing on the table for me, right? Like I gotta do everything. And that was what my post was about. It was like, I've done everything, right? And I'm very honest with them and talking because I don't have an agent now, right? You know, David Mulligetta is doing the financials of my contract because he's my friend. Like, I wanted somebody I could trust. Like, I don't, I'm not built like these people in this business, right? I'm built on, like, I want to be honest. I want to say, I've done this, this is what I, I deserve. And so, like, I've just learned, man, that, like, you have to give yourself an opportunity to hear everything, feel everything before you make your choice. And it's funny, because y'all have been around me. The one thing my immediate boss said was this, please don't take a deal that you don't want because I know that would be the worst thing for us. And both of y'all have been around me. Y'all know that, too. Yeah. You're you going to give people a hard time. It's respect. It's respect what you're doing. I remember back in the day, Lamar Jackson just did it. Lamar got criticized for it, so I don't know how the criticism comes from that side of the media. Yeah. When I was playing, Dante Culpepper represented himself. And I would say it's funny talking about your worth. When my contract was up, my first deal with the Dolphins, Brian Urlacher just got paid. <laughs> and I told my agent at the time, because I'm not like you, RC, I, I can't go agentless. I told my agent, take Brian Urlacher's contract, white out his name, put my name on it. And the Dolphins were like, you're not Brian Urlacher. I said, bitch, we got to start somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so to that point, though, man, you are extremely talented. What you've done over the last three years, I saw the post. I see what you say. You're 100% correct. What you've done, bro, and your, what you are to this industry, real talk. Not to get emotional, but real talk, bro. It's, you're special. Appreciate you're the it, future. Man. Do whatever you got to do. And all I can do is you need me to jump on somebody, I'll jump on. Nah, we don't need that. <laughs> what, what we need to do, though, what we need to do is uh, we saw Gail at Fanatics, man. We got to get, we got to hook Gail up with somebody. I don't got nobody worth a damn. Me neither. Like, that's, that's. You can't give, you can't throw Gail no crumbs. See, that's what I told her was like, Gail, I don't want to be responsible for how people I know going to act. But I, I say that to say the red carpet was cool, man. What would be, because I know what my highlight is, what would be your highlight of the Fanatics party and being able to be on the blue carpet, actually? My answer's easy. We standing there next to Gary V, a billionaire. Michael Rubin walks past. Another billionaire. Two billionaires, and I just saw how billionaires interact. They say their first name and their last name, but and they don't smile else. at each other. Y'all, bro, I swear, I told that story 10, 15 times since then. Ruben walked, and he said, Gary V, with a straight face. And Gary V looked back and said, Michael Ruben. And got back face. and talking. And they just both walked past each other. I think we need to implement that. When we see each other out. What do y'all say first and last day, though? We got to say Channing Crowder. Channing Crowder. We're going to start practicing. Ryan Clark. <laughs> hey, Bro, that's billion. I, I saw how billionaires interact. That was the highlight of my damn near my weekend, other than hanging out with Kevin from The Office. His name is Brian Baumgartner. That's my ace. We were playing he doesn't know you. 
Huh? He doesn't know you. <laughs> Why are you gonna do that to me? How are you gonna do that? He was just hanging out with a light-skinned guy that puts no, a lot of money on the leather. He, he never said my name. Because he doesn't know you. You feel bad? Man, f y'all. It's easy for me, and it, it, it didn't have so much to do with the, you know, the fanatics, the blue carpet. You know, I enjoy all of those moments, uh, seeing Shaq, talking to Jay Rose, uh, Gary V, you know, a lot of those guys. Uh, mine was off the carpet when we were leaving. Mm. Running into my former teammate, the GOAT, TB12. Hadn't seen him in person in years, like maybe since I left. New he was Asia. so excited to see you too, bro. Yeah, right? And uh, you know, I still kind of fumbled because my, my nope, teammate's nope. asking me. Nope, he said, Ryan, Freddie, he called me fella. I thought he called you Bud. Bud, never mind, I'm sorry, yeah. He said, Freddie T. How do you know RC? Hey, fella. <laughs> hey, 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 Bud. He, he probably remember some dirty shit you he tried to do know. back in the he day. He called me Bud, Freddie. Nah, nah, but you know, I think the, 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 that was a highlight. But then after we got in the car and we chopped it up, anyone said, Freddie, did you get Tom's number? Did you get his info to invite him so on the show? I didn't. I mean, I didn't want to invite the man on the show after not seeing him in person. Why for not? A, I invite a, people a, a, I don't a know. Decade. I invite that's, people I don't know, true. Fred. Hey, TB12, man, got to do me a solid, brother. I'm asking you, I'm inviting you on the show right now. I'll hit your DM again, and hopefully my team can forgive me for not you asking you. Drop the bag. I did drop the bag. You dropped the bag. But that was one of my highlights. So my highlight was we see Jelly Roll walking outside of the carpet, and I open up the, I take the rope off, I go to talk to him, and you know, I'm gonna shoot my shot. I'm like the ugly dude in the club. They can't say nothing but no. And so when he was like, when he said, man, I was gonna hit y'all, I would love to come on y'all show. Yeah. Um, I thought that was cool. Um, his speech at the Country Music Awards was, was legendary. Um, I think he has a story to tell, and I believe that we'd be a great platform to tell it. And lastly, I'm walking from the suite to go do TV after the game, and I bumped into Glorilla. And so it was her and her pops. Her pops was a Steelers fan or whatever. So we take a picture. Wow. Uh, and Freddie T, on that, I also fumbled. But I have made it right, and she has agreed to come on the show. So we're going to have her soon. Um, and the last thing, too, Super Bowl weekend breaks up relationships. That should last forever. Sean Evans, the host of Hot Ones, has dumped, he dumped his porn star girlfriend on Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. You can't, because he said he didn't like the attention. I'm gonna be honest, Shan. Her name's Melissa Stratton. She's never been to any of, you know, she's never been to any of my porn searches. You ain't never hit Melissa? No, I don't know her. Shit. With it, with it. No, nah, I, don't, I don't. With it, with it, RC. Can that really exist, though? Point star girlfriend? Yes. I don't know what it's a job. Is. She, no, I, talent, y'all know talent when you see it. And I know talent when I see it. And the other thing is, too, it's like an open audition to what she could do. Like, you don't even have to find out, Freddie T. It's like film, right? Think about, like, when free agency come, what do they do? They go watch your film. Sean sat back, he cut on the film, and he said, I can win with that. That's why. But I then... I also don't, don't know, like, would the paparazzi really be around her or him? Or is that like a celebrity couple? I'm more of, I'm more of a fan of her. I don't know what he do. What he eat, chicken wings? He does hot ones, yeah. They eat listen, the hot wings listen, and the interviews. What she does is way more important than eating chicken wings. I eat chicken wings my whole life. <laughs> you seen what she does? 
Bro, let me show you my phone. I don't want to see it. Bro, I got it on the history right I'm now. I'm good. I'm good, Chan. Chan, not on the show. I might have needed me a town last well, night. Well, guys, that is it. Thank you. We will see y'all next Tuesday. Let's get out of that conversation. This is a different type of freaky. Hold up. Limitless. Take a simic cap pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. Uh, on the mission, get me up. Uh, knowing me, I got the key. Uh, on the vision, I can trust. Uh, trust. Uh, limitless. Take a simic cap pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant.